I'm Hannah. I'm Katie. And, and this, this is... One Kiss Means Forever! <laughs> this is the podcast where we talk about all our Hallmark fantasies and all that we hope will be scrubbed from the history books of, of love <laughs> and television. <laughs> so Katie, you want to tell us what we're talking about today and, and why? Oh my gosh, yes. I would love to do that. Okay. <laughs> so what we have going on here today was a Hallmark Hall of Fame movie. Um, I know we recently did one, um, a Hallmark Hall of Fame, but that's what sparked this idea. Um, in that last episode, we revealed that um, my mom and I were really huge fans of the Hallmark Hall of Fame, like Sunday night movie of the week. And this movie is is one of those ones like in the heyday of Hallmark Hall of Fame movies. Um, and my mom and I liked it so much, we bought it on VHS. <laughs> I feel like um, that's in itself just its own like, we're going to date ourselves and date everything by saying it was available on VHS, let alone that you bought it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am an old, old woman. So this movie it was a favorite of my mom and mine. And today uh, we are celebrating my mom's birthday. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Mama! It's a big one. It's a big birthday. And Ooh. she's the best woman ever. Um, so I thought I would do this amazing movie titled <laughs> The Love Letter. <laughs> um, so... The Love Letter uh, was, like I said, a Hallmark movie, Hallmark Hall of Fame movie, and I believe it premiered in 1998. Um, and this is what the um, Hallmark Movies Now description says about The Love Letter. Romantic fantasy unfolds when a young man finds a hundred-year-old letter in an empty desk, starring Campbell Scott and Jennifer Jason Lee from the Hallmark Hall of Fame collection. So very nice and concise. <laughs> Short and sweet. Short and yeah. sweet. Um, so Campbell Scott plays Scott Corrigan, you know, just to make things easy, I guess, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, who is a computer game designer and Civil War buff. He is currently designing a game that reenacts Civil War battles. So um, cool beans, I guess. <laughs> That's what children want to play? I don't know. Um, he is also apparently an amateur antique restorer. You know, man of all trades, I guess. On a trip antiquing with his fiance, he sees a beautiful 19th century desk that really strikes his fancy. He really wants it. Uh, and even though it's way out of his budget, he impulsively buys it. And as he, as he begins to wax and polish the desk, he notices this like secret catch that opens a hidden compartment and insides he finds an old timey letter um, with pen and ink and personal stationery for Elizabeth Whitcomb and uh, this letter that he finds is completely unsent uh, but Elizabeth Whitcomb wrote it in 1863 and it is a love letter hence the title of this movie 
the letter is a bit strange. Um, uh, <laughs> though it is a love letter, it's not addressed to a specific person, but based on what the letter says, it's revealed that it's pretty much to an imaginary person, somebody that doesn't exist. But this imaginary person, Elizabeth um, is writing about, embodies the ideal of what it means to be in, lo- in love. Um, so from the letter, uh, you discern that Elizabeth Whitcomb is 29 years old. She lives with her parents and her sister Flossie, and she has recently been proposed to by a man that she doesn't love. Uh, in this letter, she writes that she wishes to find a love that, quote, burns like fire and moonlight. And she wishes <laughs> that this hype. <laughs> And she wishes that this hypothetical love existed outside of her own mind. I I didn't realize that moonlight burned, but you learn something new every day. I was going to say it would if you were a vampire, but that's sunlight too. They can't burn in moonlight (laughs) because they only go out at night. Yeah, right. No, I I got nothing. I don't know how (laughs) moonlight burns. (laughs) So as a joke, Scott decides to answer the letter but does it mockingly, assuming the character of Rhett Butler. Because, again, this is a Civil War-based... It's it's odd to me that he would choose Rhett Butler because this is clearly a northerner, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Still, he is genuinely intrigued by the history of the woman and her desk, so he rings up the shop where he bought the desk to ask where it came from. And the antique dealer gives him the address of the old house where he found it, which... I don't know if it's, that's ethical or not, but whatever. Um, <laughs> True. And it's in nearby Willoughby, Massachusetts, which I didn't look up if that's real, but it certainly seems like it could be. Yeah, I didn't look it up either, but I love the name Willoughby. <laughs> it's, it's on brand. Um, so Scott decides to go to the house to investigate, but he is rebuffed by the caretaker who mistakes him for a family member of the house's uh, owner, Miss Clarice, who apparently is the focus of some family drama. and yes. like, So Scott uh, tells his mother, who is this eccentric free spirit um, uh, played by Estelle Parsons um, from Roseanne in August Osage County. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he tells his mother about the love letter and that he's written a response. And she gets really excited and tells Scott that he should mail this letter, uh, proclaiming that, you know, many intellectual people like Einstein and H.G. Wells believed in time travel. So why not give it a try? Um, so she gets really super into the idea and goes through the trouble of getting him an authentic um, 1863 stamp. Um, she gets an exact replication of the ink formula that would have been used at the time and and finds a post office that would have been operating at that time um, that was has been open since 1857. Um, I guess in the Northeast, in Boston, things are that old and they stay that way. So, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, uh, his mom believes that if they can get as accurate as possible, they may be able to break the time barrier and really answer the letter. So, here's hoping. I, mm, I'm baffled by this character. <laughs> <The> <laughs> So, though Scott finds this all very fantastic and ridiculous, there is another part of him that truly feels called to answer this letter. So, unable to sleep for the thought of it, he writes another letter, this time in earnest, and he drops it off at the historical post office. Um, And it should be no surprise, because otherwise we'd have no movie, uh, that this plan works. And we cut to 1863, where Scott's letter is waiting in the Whitcomb's mail pile. 
commercial break. (laughs) (laughs) So now we are uh, introduced to Elizabeth Whitcomb in person, who is played by Jennifer Jason Leigh. And um, like most characters played by Jennifer Jason Leigh, she is a very odd and artistic woman. Um, She enjoys writing poems, and she likes to keep to herself. And as her letter stated, she is being courted by a man whom she does not, she obviously does not love, and she does her best to avoid answering his question of marriage, much to the chagrin of her father, who wants his 29-year-old old maid daughter to get out of his house already, because back in that day, like, 29 was... Like, at death's door, practically. Or, like, (laughs) you're too old to get married. She is super old. I realize she's younger than me, but she's super old. I mean, she's super old, (laughs) but in the context of 1863, yeah. Like, in terms of being unmarried, yes, 100%. Totally. Um, this, this suitor that is a court in her, um, is also happens to be a publisher who Elizabeth really wishes would publish her poems. Um, but she's not about to marry him to make that happen and... One of the reasons she doesn't like him in the first place um, is that he thinks his her poetry is stupid. So, whatever. Yeah. So, Elizabeth receives Scott's letter, which states that he found her letter in the secret compartment, and she is obviously shocked to the core because, you know, like, I guess, like, scary man coming into your house, you know? Yeah. Um, so, she checks the secret compartment, and indeed, her letter has vanished. So back in 1998, Scott is hanging out at his house when he hears a sound come from the desk, and he checks the hidden compartment to see a brand new letter from Elizabeth, who writes scathingly, as she believes that someone has found her hiding place and is stealing from her, which is like the tamest it could possibly be, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to listen to my favorite murder a little bit less often, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to break into your house and find your hidden compartment and steal your letter. Not anything else. (laughs) Nope. Nope. You're perfectly safe sleeping in the same room. Fine. Uh, (laughs) So Scott writes back explaining who he is, when he is, and how these letters are coming to him. And he implores her to write back if he hasn't freaked her out. And she decides that somehow the laws of nature have shifted for them and it would be a waste of this miracle if they don't keep writing. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have time-traveling pen pals a la, um, I guess, sort of, Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think I mentioned the lake house in my notes later. Uh, So the letters between the both of them very quickly become intimate and intensely romantic. Um, Remember that Scott is engaged, um, and he has not told his fiancée, Deborah, about these letters. And Scott's mother does give him some shit that he's an engaged man who's having an emotional affair with a woman who's been dead for a really long time. But unable to help himself, um, Scott does try to go back to the Willoughby house so he can find out more about the Whitcomb family, um, see, learn a little bit more about Elizabeth's life. And it turns out that Miss Clarice is Elizabeth's great-niece, so um, Flossie, her sister's granddaughter. 
Uh, at the time, Scott is unable to find out from Clarice if Elizabeth had ever gotten married. But while he's in this house, Scott and Elizabeth sense each other on the staircase through time. They can feel their presences. Um, and this adds fuel to their passion. I love this. <laughs> it's so weird. Like the like. You know, like, put your hand to your cheek as if someone's just, like, caressed your face. It's it's true. <laughs> they, like, stop short on the staircase, and everyone, like, in their own time is like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's real. I mean, it's shocking to me that the sh- that this housekeeper left, let him in the house, and then he acts like the weirdest creepy fucker ever, and she's yeah. kind of okay with yeah (laughs) because she has so many relatives that are like out to steal her money the fact that he's like right he he goes under the pretense that he's writing a a book about the whitcomb family and i think she's like well if you want to be like a historian about it i guess it's fine yeah yeah so uh scott is telling elizabeth about life in the present um or the present when it was 1998 so not our present, guys. Sorry. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and she sends him her poetry, and they ask each other to send pictures so that they might know what each other looks like. Scott receives her picture, but the letter containing his photograph accidentally falls behind a table unseen. So it, you know, lost in his house, or her house, rather. Uh, then during a present-day bike race, Scott crashes and lands on his head, which puts him in a coma. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Poor Scott. Um, So we go back to 1863, and um, Elizabeth is going to Boston for a special doctor's visit. I guess she's been um, suffering from some headaches, so she was going to get it checked out. Um, And while she's in the doctor's waiting room, she feels a strange presence. And when she looks over, she sees Scott. But she doesn't know it's Scott because she never got his letter, see? So... So it's important to note that Scott is not also not Scott. He is now Colonel Caleb Denby, and they are instantly drawn to each other, of course. Um, clarification, this is not Scott time traveling. This seems to be his soul or his essence or something going back in time. And um, Elizabeth writes some letters that say, um, strange as it seems, that her interaction with Caleb makes her feel closer to Scott. So she's not sure why, but we know why, but they don't. And it's awesome. (laughs) Um, So they get really close. And one night after a dance, Caleb and Elizabeth kiss. And since one kiss means forever. We know that this will have some impact on our time-transcending romance. Um, Caleb and Elizabeth promise to be married when he returns from his battle in southern Pennsylvania. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. So Scott wakes up from his coma. It's been like a month. Um, As Scott catches up on Elizabeth's letters now that he's awake, he puts two and two together that Caleb is about to go fight at Gettysburg. Which... uh, if we know anything, is not not good. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks at his Civil War records and realizes that Caleb is killed in action during the battle in apparently four days her time. 
so as their timelines seem to run parallel in time, like one day equals one day kind of parallel, uh, he tries to write to Elizabeth to tell her uh, and urge her not to let Caleb go to battle uh, in order to save his life. He's, you know, you know, I, I started thinking about like the butterfly effect, but whatever. Right. Me too. Um, <laughs> but da, 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 the historical post office he uses has caught on fire. <laughs> Which like, what? <laughs> um, so he runs into the burning building to send the letter anyway. The letter makes it to Elizabeth, you know, like burned a bit, like yep. singed. And Elizabeth, uh, so it makes it to Elizabeth, and she hurriedly makes her way to Gettysburg to try to catch Caleb. Um, you know, nobody really wants to like drive her there or let her take the train there because you know there's a fucking war happening. Yeah. Um, but she does make it to Gettysburg, but she's too late uh, to save Caleb. Uh, but he does get to at least see her, and he dies in her arms. So what? What? I, I mean. At least the, the 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 timeline didn't change all that much. So yeah, who knows? I mean, he, you know, it's sort of like he didn't die alone. That's nice. Yeah, and she said poetry to him as he lay dying. So that's sweet. Yeah. So when Elizabeth gets home, she finally gets Scott's letter with his picture, and because he looks exactly like Caleb, she realized that he basically is Caleb, but not really. And anyway, she feels super happy because she feels like knowing Scott has allowed her to express herself and share her voice. Um, but she also realizes that with Caleb's death, that it probably means that her time with Scott has come to an end as well. So Scott finally lets Deborah in on his time-traveling letter secret, and he confesses that he fell in love with Elizabeth. Deborah is in the middle of calling him crazy when they hear another letter appear in the desk. So Scott lets Deborah read it first, and it basically says that Elizabeth knows now that Scott and Caleb are one and the same, and proves it by enclosing a picture that was taken of her and Caleb at some point. So Deborah is very confused, scared, and distraught, all of which seem very normal mm-hmm. to me. Like, l- legitimately, that that's... She is, uh, she's right. Uh, and she, and she's upset that she's losing out to a weird time traveling love affair. (laughs) Um, and she realizes that she and Scott obviously need to break up because she's not his, his person. She's not his lobster. Not his lobster. Feels appropriate. We're, we're doing a New England thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So Scott goes back to the Willoughby house and sees that Miss Clarice has just passed. Um, He and Lizzie end up having another moment where they feel each other. (laughs) And Clarice's housekeeper walks in on that moment, which is super awkward. Um, He's like, oh, it's it's upsetting. It's upsetting. He's like, like, oh, no. He's sitting at like the vanity or the dressing table or something. And he has like his hands in like in midair, like they're on on her shoulders. But it also kind of looks like it could be on like fake boobs. Um, And so and like she feels his hands in the other past in the past. And she's like, I miss you. But um, the, the housekeeper in 1998 walks in. She's like. Are you okay? What is happening here? <laughs> um, but she um, she, has... she 
She, and she's weirded out, but she takes it way better than any real human should. Yes. It's like, uh, you need to leave now. <laughs> but she can't tell him that uh, he needs to leave because she has a gift for him. Um, apparently, Miss Clarice found a box that had belonged to Elizabeth in the attic. Um, when she, she had found it when she was younger, and then she remembered it before she passed and said, oh, give it to this guy who's been asking about Elizabeth. Um, and it apparently contained all of her uh, letters and personal mementos. So Scott looks inside, and the letters, re- um, the letters and the personal mementos reveal that she had become a teacher, and she was never married. And inside this box are also all of the letters that Scott wrote to her, and it's also including his own picture, <laughs> which is aged and <laughs> creased and like torn apart. And this blows the housekeeper's mind, and she even's like, "How did you get in there?" <laughs> <laughs> she was amazing. I love that. Um, one cool thing that I did like though is. Um, she does mention that Miss Clarice had said that she never remembered there being poems when she found the box as a kid. Um, and there are poems in there now, which is a testament to, like, Scott opening up that part of her heart and letting her, let her poetry yeah. flow. That's the butterfly effect that we actually get. Yes. Um, so Scott visits Elizabeth's grave to say goodbye But then a dog runs up to Scott and is followed by his owner, who is, of course, Elizabeth in his time. And her name is Beth. And so Scott is shook, but smoothly asks if she knows a good place for a cup of coffee, which is exactly how Caleb asked Elizabeth out, by the way, back in the days of yore. And Beth accepts. And even though we don't see them kiss, their historical doppelgangers did. And it proves that one One kiss kiss means means forever forever. through the span of all time. (laughs) Oh, and Scott publishes Elizabeth's poems to end. The end. (laughs) Woo. Woo. I love it. Uh, I love this movie. (laughs) So I will have to say that I had never seen this movie until we watched it for this podcast. So, I don't have this, like, nostalgia love for it that Katie clearly does. Yes. I think, so, I told Katie I was going to do talk about something, but I just want to read out the text that happened in the middle of, like, <laughs> me wa- watching it because uh, it was kind of great, <laughs> in my opinion. So, I texted Katie, oh my god this movie and Katie just said the love letter I love it and I said yes the love letter I have cackled (laughs) and then Katie said cackled about which part and I said um the bike crash the coma the colonel that looks like him and then there's like a little pause and then it was oh my god is the post office on fire (laughs) (laughs) and then Katie Katie said, yep, it's Scott's doppelganger. It's him, but not him. I love this movie. (laughs) So I just felt like that was, that should be shared with the world. (laughs) Thank you. Like, thank you. And I'm so happy that I can share this movie with you, Hannah. 
because it is there's there is pure nostalgia there and i i love this movie because it's a little fantastical um i love i'm a big fan of campbell scott um i think he's great um i love jennifer jason lee's hair in this movie because it's just like the right amount of messy like blonde curl mass and i just wish i had hair like that yeah and it's romantic and ridiculous but i i I do i love this kind of movie like we we mentioned the lake house before i love somewhere in time um i i I just think it's there's something about falling in love with someone from the past that is just so like magical (laughs) to me it just this is my i love this brand of movie that's fair this did win an award by the way it won an award for adaptation from um for us as a teleplay from a short story (laughs) um and you can read the short story online. Um, I am a bad um, researcher, and I forgot to write down the guy's name. But the short story was written in 1958, or published in 1960, but written in 1958 in The New Yorker. Mm-hmm. And it's a very short story. You can read it for free, for like, and it takes like 20 minutes to read the whole thing. Um, but she was in 1888 and he is in like 1958 so there is a little bit it's a little bit closer in time and they lived in the same spot which was um in brooklyn like Mm. nearby each other so he could actually walk by her apart her apartment and the romance of it is because like he finds this letter in the middle of the night after like this date and he's feeling kind of lonely Mm. and that's what brings him he wants to write for that reason and then he just starts to feel kind of like that that magical anything can happen weird connection feeling that you feel if you're awake in the middle of the night and that's what sparks him to like send all of this send the letter and it gets to her but the thing that is different is he realizes that you can't change time magically like letters just don't appear (laughs) if something changes in the past um (laughs) Like he sends a letter, and then he notices there are like three like secret compartments, and he finds the first letter in the first compartment, writes to her, waits a week, opens up the second compartment, and realizes that's that's her response mm-hmm. that she would have written like sixty or whatever years before. Right. And then he writes her one last letter, and is like, um, "I'm not going to look at it quite yet because obviously you you've already written this letter, and you're writing it in the past, so I only have one chance to get this right." And the way they connect it in this movie and this um, last thing is, she says, "I never, I'll never forget," and it's a picture of her. And then he finds her grave, and on the tombstone it says, "I never forgot," and they use that in yeah. Elizabeth's grave in this movie too, which I didn't think played quite the same no i didn't in the short story it's um (laughs) like when they showed that in the movie i was like i feel like i missed something did she talk about forgetting me too yeah i was i was legitimately confused because they like definitely show it prominently um and i was like i don't follow this so i wanted to give a short synopsis of the original work so you can go read it and get a little bit more depth to what's happening in this movie I mean, this movie is bonkers bananas. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's just a few things in it that I feel like we need to, like, just discuss. Because, yes, please. Let's do it. Okay. First of all, the first thing I have is that when Scott has just bought the impulse buy of the desk, they bring it home to his apartment where he does not live with Deb because it's a Hallmark movie and cohabitation is wrong. True. Um. And 
she is like leaving to go home and she says sweet dreams before walking out the door and I find that so weird (laughs) that she said sweet dreams yeah as instead of like bye (laughs) like it's I, I think it's that it's it's weirdly like motherly in that way is like if you're leaving and saying sweet dreams, you're expecting this person to go to sleep, but you're not going to sleep because you have to get all the way home. It felt very uncomfortable in the relationship that they had. I see that, yeah. And I did not like that. I didn't like their relationship at all anyway. Um, oh, no. Their relationship was terrible. She was shockingly insecure, but also at the end, I was very team Deb in that she was 100% the only wronged person. This is true, but he didn't expect to fall in love with a letter writer No, I, and years. I, <laughs> I, I completely get that. But he knew he was doing something wrong because he would have told her otherwise. Yeah. The second thing that my brain got very stuck on is the inequities of their financial relationship between (laughs) Scott and Elizabeth. (laughs) Let me explain. Okay. (laughs) Scott has to get ink that is correct, which I didn't really know why, because he could write with a regular pen. It's not like it's going to... That part I didn't get. But then he needs an authentic... 1863 stamp. Yes. And I realized that it probably would have been a penny, like they, they say it's a, like a penny stamp or whatever. Like, fine. Except I'm, I didn't do any research, but I know that stamp collecting is a thing. I am going to guess that that stamp is worth a shit ton of money. Oh, it is. If you go to the IMDb um, uh, website, they have that as the trivia for this movie, um, where one of those 1863 um Stamps probably would have cost something, would have been worth like $14,000. Right. And he just like <laughs> sends a bunch of letters to this woman. I would have asked her for stamps. Yeah. Can you mail me some stamps? Right. Please? Like, and include some stamps because I, it's expensive for me to fucking mail these. Like, what? Um, And then <laughs> he also has to drive to the post office, which I realize is not that difficult for him. But, you know, gas. Yeah. Time. Yada, yada. And, like, she just literally gets to write and hand it to somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Not even that. She gets to put it in her desk. Like, she gets to do nothing. Like, he's spending, realistically, like, $100,000. That is so true. He does have to put in a lot more time and money than she does. I was very, very stuck on how much money he had to be spending to, to get these letters to her. I mean, it's a pretty cool hobby, um, though, to be writing to somebody through Yeah, it, oh, absolutely. But also, like, I don't think it's worth that much money. It's, Hell no. The, the other thing I thought was I, I just, like, couldn't quite get past. So, they, like, clearly it does take some time for them to write to each other. They, they're not getting letters every day kind of deal, right? Yeah. So when they each get each other's letters, they try to do things and read the letters simultaneously. 
And I was just like, guys, it's a letter. It's going to be there. Put it down. <laughs> like, I, the, the scene that Hannah's referring to is, like, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is, is trying to cook. Yeah. And she's hidden the letter in, like, a book. Well, so she's reading and making a cake, and then she, like, says things, and she's, like, out loud responding to the letter, and the <laughs> the maid is, like, are, are you, what are you talking about? Oh, it's beautiful how well this cake is turning out. <laughs> yeah, and, but, and Scott does the same thing, where, like, they're trying to, like, pick out stuff for the their wedding, he and Deb, and he's, like, reading the letter instead of paying attention, and it's, like... If you're having this emotional reaction, like, don't you want to read this alone, like, at home? I, I don't know. I mean, don't was, we do that with like... text messages, though? Like, in 98, a letter was a text message. <laughs> sure, but it was not... Well, like, I guess if my affair, if I had an affair, texted me while I was with my fiancé, I probably would not read it though yeah you're probably right (laughs) like just like you see that they texted okay you got that bit and then you're like nope not right now (laughs) yeah and if i like if and if i was deborah and i and i caught him i i couldn't i can't remember if she saw that it was a letter from the desk or something that he was reading but it would be kind of like that letter has been in existence for uh, over a hundred years. You have it. It will be around for another hundred if you just let it be for an afternoon. Right. <laughs> and also the integrity of the paper might be compromised. That is true. So, like, don't. What are you doing? Some historian you are. Jeez. <laughs> I was just annoyed by this. Uh, another thing I really wanted to talk about was the hospital he gets taken to. Um, when he crashes and is in his coma mm-hmm. because it looks like they messed up a little bit and brought him to an 1863 hospital. Really? <laughs> I I mean, there are like, there are some computery things. It looks so, I, I not really 1863. It looks really World War II to me. Well, maybe it was the same. Maybe it's the same building as the doctor's office where she meets Caleb Denby, and that's why his essence maybe. is there. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was another thing I thought needed to be discussed. I um, am there with you. Um, oh, and there's one more that I actually think might be important. Um, I don't know if it is a, like, I watched this in 2020. I'm more sensitized to it. I don't know. I was shocked at how many times I saw the Confederate flag in this movie. Yeah. I realize that it's about the Civil War, but just, like, specifically the Confederate flag. I was like, I got it. Guys, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, like I, I, I can't speak to Civil War buffs and like that part of history. And especially since they're in the North, it does seem kind of strange that there yeah. would be. But um, I don't, I assume that the Union won Gettysburg. Otherwise, I'm sure that we would have a different outcome. <laughs> uh, I, my, oh, this is so, 
I, I think they did, but I do know it was the bloodiest battle. And I think they won almost by like, well, you know, one of those like, well, we have one person left and you have zero kind of wins. Yeah. I don't think it was Gross. exactly that, but you know, like it's it's sort of like we won by default because you guys are all dead. It's been a long time since I watched the blue and the gray, so <laughs> one more blue and one more gray. <laughs> Two brothers on their way. <laughs> Sorry. Anywho, I yeah, so that is that that's that's the love letter for me. Um, I didn't yeah. have any. I, I figured the what the fuck moments would come up organically for our yeah. conversation, so I didn't write too many down. Okay. Um, but any there I did. Um, no, it was mostly just kind of like stupid, like what, like when she was driving to Gettysburg when she couldn't find a driver to take her. Um, and I don't know how far away Harris. She gets on at Harrisburg and then she goes to Gettysburg, and I don't yeah. know how far away that would be with uh, by carriage. But she calls the driver driver, and you yeah, would think does. that after giving him after him giving her this like immense gift of driving her, that she would have learned his name. <laughs> but it's all like driver. What is that driver? Can't you hurry, driver? Driver, we're here. And you're like. Unless his name was Driver and like <laughs> his no, name was like I don't Adam think so. or yeah, Minnie. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I hate Adam Driver. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but anyway. I did have I did have a couple Hallmark Hallmarks, not too much. So if we want to shift okay. the segments, we can. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, so I only have two. Um, right. That I wrote down, but we have um, parents wanting their daughter to marry the wrong man. Yep. And he's engaged to the wrong woman, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those are true. Uh, the other one I have, because it's sort of happening on both of their parts, is deception. Deception. Though he is deceiving his fiance, not his lover true yes yeah and so. she is deceiving she's deceiving everybody, everybody because yeah no one understands her <laughs> oh one thing i wanted to mention um before uh, when you were t- um talking about the ink formula uh-huh um that i i don't know have you ever seen somewhere in time I don't know. I don't think so. It's with Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour. And, yeah, no, um, I definitely haven't. But um, that's that is a um, hallmark hallmark of these kinds of time travel, like going back in time, sort of movies. Because I mean, only because they did it in Somewhere in Time. I, I think maybe they stole it from that. Is because he wants to go back to that time period really, really bad. So mm-hmm. he makes sure that everything down to like the fabric that he uses to, for his out his 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 jacket and his like his outfit, like the whole outfit that he wears, and he makes sure that there is nothing that was created in his own time because he's going back under self hypnosis. Because okay. the thing that brings him back is something that. That 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 is, um, he like accidentally didn't take a penny out of his pocket or something, and that's what breaks breaks the connection, and he loses uh, her forever. So it's really sad. Oh, well, 
it's I think the the issue for me is that his mother did all of this. Ah, uh, yeah. Not him. It wasn't like him being like, I want to be authentic. It was like his mom being like, try this. So um, oddly enough, that was something that the short story touched on was um, he had the idea of using the same stationery, using the same ink. And then he al- and he he had a stamp collection and he even mentions he goes, my stamp collecting buddies will probably hate me that I'm using these using this for this purpose. And he yeah. almost puts it in a regular post office box, but realizes that that probably wouldn't work. So he in. He thinks about it all in one go. So it is borrowing from the source material, but I agree it's with you. It's just not giving it to the correct person. Right. It's, I think yeah. that the mom doing it is even weirder. So Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, Pretty, Pretty Parade? parade? <laughs> uh, um, I just wrote down the house and the clothes. Yeah. I, I specifically said Elizabeth's brown dress when she arrives in Boston. I really mm. was into it. Um, I, I really like hoop skirts. I don't actually do. really want to wear them, but I, I enjoy do. them. I mean, I would, I want to wear it for fun, but not like on a regular basis. <laughs> yes. I want to wear it for fun. But now that I, I'm I like did... wedding dress looking at, I'm like, do I want a hoop skirt? Because I'll never wear one ever. <laughs> Unless I'm in a show. Uh, you don't. I think it'll make you look too small. Oh, I know. I'm no. That is not. That is not the silhouette for for short curvy <laughs> ladies. So no. Absolutely not. But yeah. <laughs> anyway. I would look like a a, a bell. <laughs> of the ball. A bell at the uh, ball, and not one with the beast. Um. Did you have any across the universe? Um, oh, I just wrote that it was similar, like we already mentioned, that it's similar to the lake house and somewhere in time in, in that kind of um, story, which I love. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the lake house is a pretty terrible movie, but I will periodically watch it for fun. I have um, I have only seen it the one time, and I remember I was living with a roommate at the time when I saw it, and um, I I watched it in secret because I knew what it was sort of about, and he, my roommate wanted to watch it too, but he is notorious. He was notorious for, like, asking, what's going on? What is that? What's happening? Even if neither of us had ever seen it. And I'm like, this is going to be terrible if I watch this movie with him because it's going to be so fucking annoying. <laughs> That's so I never fantastic. watched it again. But right. yeah. Fair, fair. Did you have any new and noteworthy? I skipped new and noteworthy and supporting shout out. Okay. Um, cause I, I mean, I have new and noteworthy in that we've never done a time travel movie, but I don't know that it's actually really new and noteworthy since it's not. <laughs> True. Um, I think the closest we came to it was Spirit of Christmas. Yeah. And yeah. that wasn't quite time travel in that, no. but it kind of was with like the flashbacks. Yeah. You know, but like new and noteworthy, it it wasn't new. Nothing new happened within the story itself. Right. Um, Just for us. Uh, I I do think that the caretaker of the Whitcomb house and Miss Clarice deserves a supporting shout out. Oh, you're right. Uh, I feel like she deserves a supporting shout out because she was kind of just fantastic. Like she just like 
would put on these faces of like, what the fuck, man? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you crazy, crazy weirdo. Like, I just have a note of like her surprise at seeing him be creepy. <laughs> it's just great. Uh, kiss meter. Um, I am kind of curious to see what you put first, to be honest. Okay. So there's only the one kiss. Yeah. Um, it the little gazebo on the river or whatever, uh, between Colonel Demby and Elizabeth. Um, I gave it an eight because I oh. thought it was passionate, but it had a lot of like little. It was like a lot of like little kisses, like like almost as if you were like creating a little ball of dough, but with your <laughs> mouth. That's a disgusting <laughs> image. Yep. But it makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Also, you can't see me, but I am like moving my hands in the right way. And I'm like, yeah, it's, you're making a little ball of dough. And then it's with your mouth. <laughs> I totally understand what you're talking about. Like, I really do. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Katie. <laughs> so I was actually not as nice as you were because though it was passionate, this is the only time that we get physical contact between our two our two stars, our two our two main characters. And mm-hmm. you're right that their kisses are a bunch of little kisses, but they're not just little kisses. It's 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 like rather than playing with dough, it is it's like they're rag dolls and their lips don't really connect it's just kind of like i'm hitting my face with my hands because you can see it but it's just like they're (laughs) like putting their lips together in a way that doesn't really connect and like it just like i was like kiss him all the fuck already he stop putting (laughs) stop putting your mouth on his face (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's the mustache it got in the way Oh, maybe. It's, I don't know. Like, maybe the mustache kept, but it was also really dark. And so you can't, it doesn't really, like, you can't really see much, but you can see their silhouettes not kissing. Just like, yeah, it's, you might be right. I I might have been, lips are petting each other. I might have been too nice. You're right. But I'm going to, I'm going to just stick with it because this is what I said at the moment. But I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but but for 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 such a passionate romance, and this is the only time we get a kiss. I was I'm I've always been disappointed. You're underwhelmed. Yeah, totally underwhelmed. And yeah. I'm sure my mother would agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I feel like you should ask do the you. Last. Yeah. I, yep. Because we know what my answer is. Um, yeah, to, we do. <laughs> uh, so, Hannah, would you watch this movie? So, I did really enjoy talking about it. I don't think I really enjoyed watching it, unfortunately. Ah, I'm sorry. That's okay. I think this is a watch only if you're going to drink and make fun of it for me kind of movie. Fair. Like, it's not a, like, sit down and watch it because you want a sappy romance for me. It is a let's all get drunk and be like, what the fuck at it movie. You know, 
Um, I haven't watched this movie, I think, since maybe 1999. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Although I really enjoyed the rewatch of it, like it brought back all of those memories, and I and I, I I am entertained by this movie for sure. I'm not sure it's something that I need to pick up again for another twenty years. This will be a okay child that I have now in my life. Like this is what life used to be like when I was your age. <laughs> we used to find letters in old desks and write to them. Right. Computers used to be big boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and and video games were all pixels. <laughs> so so thank, I just want to say thank you very much, Hannah, for going on that ride with for me I'm, and for I was, my mom. I was so happy to do it. So, so happy to do it. I never would have watched it otherwise, and I'm glad I've seen it. Yay. Um, and thank you, Mama, for being my Hallmark pal. Um, I, if you're listening, um, I, I hope, number one, thank you for figuring out how to use podcasts. <laughs> and number two, <laughs> number two, I love you and happy, happy birthday. You're the best happy Mama birthday. ever. Good job. Good job for making a Katie. Oh, <laughs> thanks. All right, I love you, Mama. And for the rest of you listeners who are not the Mama, um, <laughs> be sure to follow <laughs> us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can find us at um, at number one kiss means number four ever. Uh, the one and the four are numerals. Uh, and you can also shoot us an email at one kiss means forever at gmail.com. And those are all spelled out like in your podcast feeds. And, of course, as always, thank you to Flint Pastors for our intro-outro music. And you can find his stuff on Spotify and SoundCloud, and you should go check him out. Hell yeah. Uh, so we know we've been bringing you a lot of content uh, because uh, we're apparently a Taurus Gemini-heavy <laughs> podcast Group family. of birthdays, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yay! Hope you're enjoying the the extra stuff, and um, we yeah. will continue to um, plumb the depths of um, streaming television um, to get you the best made-for-TV romances we possibly can. Absolutely. All right. See you guys soon. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. We'll do it in Love Letter 2. <laughs> no, Love Letter 2 is Deb and her her future boyfriend. <laughs> he finds, like, her email in, like, an old um, computer in a wasteland. And he's a robot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cut All it. Right. Print it. Done. <laughs>